Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. I'm Alpha Raph. I'm Alpha Jared. We, this is our second time recording this, and the last time... Oh, you lied. We were sick. I was actually sick in the Lentcast video. You have no idea how many times I cut myself out, like... <laughs> every time. But uh, this is the universe where I got healthy before. Mm. Mo- mostly healthy. I'm still a little bit... Yeah. Mostly healthy before recording this. Yeah. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once is the movie... That's a topic. This is the name of it. Open quote, everything, comma, everywhere, comma, all at once. Close quote. Is there commas? There are no commas. I lied. (laughs) But it is capitalized. It is a proper noun. This is the title of the movie. (laughs) It's a movie by A24 Studios, Mm -hmm. which is known for their artsy films. And like many other A24 movies, it's generally critically acclaimed. But in terms of an audience score, people are divided. Mm. Granted, for this movie, it's more like 85% good, right? So a lot of people who watched this movie and enjoyed it had a great time. You and I love the movie. Absolutely. AD Mm -hmm. and Merck tried watching it. They didn't understand it. They got confused and turned it off. Which is funny. But I found that sentiment actually echoed in, you know, the... 15% 15% of people who did not enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I, I sympathize with these people. This is a weird movie. If it's not in your taste, then you're not going to enjoy it. I love sci-fi. I love kung fu films. I love this take on, you know, metaphysical conversations. Mm-hmm. So everything in this movie lined up for me to totally enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I especially, you know, I was commenting on it as we were watching it. I love the music mm-hmm. and the cinematography and the symbolism in the film. Yeah. I love all of it. If somebody is just watching this and they don't know what to expect and, you know, maybe it doesn't line up with their taste, mm-hmm. they don't have that same appreciation of kung fu films, I might not get it. Like, what was that one comment you read just... I watch movies for educational purposes. That comment started with, I am a senior citizen (laughs) who watches movies for education. (laughs) This might not have been the pick for that. Well, here's the question. That doesn't say, I watch educational movies. It says, I watch movies for education. I went to film school. You can watch any movie for education. Well, look, that also, that sentiment is, I can put a tampon in a teacup and it's art. (laughs) Which, by the way, abstractively, as someone who appreciates art in the abstract, I'm like, that is a statement. That is actual art. But also, you just put a tampon in a teacup (laughs) and it doesn't feel like art. We feel like, oh, this was a cheap trick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like when, it's kind of like when Banksy shreds a painting. (laughs) Which happened yeah. at auction. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. At auction. And, it, and yeah. the shredder broke, and it became worth like ten million more dollars, and his whole purpose was ruined. That was hilarious. Yeah. But also, in itself, that is part of the statement. Yeah. The, I can appreciate the art and the sentiment behind that. I don't think it's worth ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have paid five dollars to watch it. <laughs> but somebody paid ten million dollars at auction. To watch that money shred before the rise. Halfway before the, the shredder broke. Yeah. Art is a difficult thing. A24, I'm sure, understands that. We watched another one of their movies a few years ago. Myself, uh, our friend Josh and AD. We watched The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm. I 
loathe that film. <laughs> it has zero respect for your time. I understand what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty simple plot that has meaning to it. You know, it's not a poorly executed film. It just has zero respect for your time. Mm-hmm. None of the characters in the end are actually that likable. You're always like, this is weird and I want to leave. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do that. And as soon as the credits came on screen, all of us cursed. <laughs> just expletives coming out like, what the hell did we just do? That was terrible. A24 actually has some really great films aside from that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they do take the artistic leap, it works. And I love everything everywhere all at once. Some people it didn't work for. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I sympathize. I don't agree. I don't, I don't want to say like, if you didn't get it, if you didn't appreciate this movie... You're dumb. Or something like that. Because <laughs> that's not true. You know, there's a lot of people who watch Inception the first time and don't get it. Yeah. I haven't seen Tenet yet, but every time someone's explaining it to me, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm. Inception, you could explain to somebody. You could be like, there's a dream. They're in, they're going into dreams to do heists. Yeah. And they're going through levels of a dream to incept an idea into somebody's head. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's great. Everything all at once is not... It might be like an Inception film where mm. some people just don't get it the first time they see it. Mm. This film came out in 2022, and it's nominated heavily for Oscars in 2023. I may release this before or after the Oscars. We'll Whoa. see when I get around to editing it. Switching connection briefly, this is Delta Raff from a podcast editing universe. Uh, we actually have some exciting news. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once won multiple Academy Awards, including but not limited to Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor. I think it deserves a lot. It stars Michelle Yeoh, who is a very popular Chinese actress for her work in a lot of kung fu films, including Mm. but not limited to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is a kung fu classic. They actually recently made a sequel to it on Netflix Mm. with Donnie Yen, which I highly recommend. I love those films. I've always loved kung fu movies in general. So Michelle Yeoh is someone who sticks out to me. And I was really glad to get a chance to see the full breadth of her acting ability in this Mm -hmm. film. Um, There's also a great supporting cast, including Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays an IRS agent, who surprisingly has a pretty big role. Yeah. (laughs) I guess if you got Jamie Lee Curtis, you're going to use Jamie Lee Curtis. But when you first see this character, you're like, there's no way that this is a reoccurring thing. (laughs) And it's surprisingly reoccurring, and you're not off-put by it. No, I think that's one thing this movie did really well. Even background characters is that it has its cast. Even though it takes place in the The multiverse, multiverse. it has a specific cast still. Even of background characters that you recognize throughout the whole thing. And it's less so, oh, they did this again, they used that person again, this is cheap, they reused that person. And more of a surprise and, oh, hey, there's those people. Oh, there's them. There's that guy again. Yeah. That sort of thing. Which is a really great idea when you're making a movie about the multiverse. Yeah. Side note, this podcast takes place in the multiverse. Prove it. Well, you'll hear an effect on my voice when I do this. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Nice. (laughs) I work hard on those. Um, But this is, speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about what this movie is about. It, in essence, is a science fiction film. Mm. It talks about the concept of the multiverse. Mm Mm-hmm. The multiverse is also a concept that tends to incur a lot of drama, especially when you think about your life. What Mm. are the places in your life where you made major decisions or where things turned out one way when they could have turned out another? Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where could my life have gone if I'd made those decisions differently? Yeah. If my lottery numbers came up, 
if I'd passed that exam instead of failed it. If it rained this day when it hadn't, mm-hmm. right? So that has a lot of potential for drama. One thing some people complained about was that this movie at times doesn't know when it wants to be a comedy and when it wants to be a drama. You and I had remarked on it when watching it that it somehow does both at once and you're laughing at dramatic scenes yeah. while still feeling them. Well, I think that's the important thing because what's interesting, what I saw this film is about is similar to an idea actually of Star Wars that I believe George Lucas said, where Star Wars is a family drama. And so is this. Yeah. All that's a very the good point. sci-fi metaphysical stuff is essentially just the vehicle for a family drama. Because at the end of the day, this is about a woman whose husband is unhappy in the marriage and whose daughter is unhappy in life. And whose father doesn't approve of her. Yeah, and, and that whole thing. And it's yeah. her figuring all this out, realizing some of these things, and not just coming to terms, but like them whole fight, fighting against falling apart and now, to keep together. We'll get into spoilers quite soon here. Oh, shoot. But just to kind of set the scene a little bit. Mm-hmm. It surrounds a family, a Chinese family who has immigrated to America, and then they run a laundromat, and the laundromat's not doing so good, so they have to go to the IRS and sort out their taxes because they're being audited, and it's funny because those elements in the movie, it's about life, death, taxes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's about about love. A very big part of it is about love. Mm -hmm. It's about destiny. And those things it's these all sound like grand themes and you're like how could they possibly make a movie that could adequately execute on these things this sounds like a three-hour three-act play mm-hmm. you have no idea <laughs> it does kind of happen in three acts mm-hmm. everything everywhere and all at once mm-hmm. i was saying the first time that we watch it is like those breakups where it shows you part one everything part two everywhere right it doesn't actually feel like that's required for the movie. It's like for you mm-hmm. to get a second to, <gasps> oh, what yeah. was all that stuff I just saw? Yeah, because it's it's an interesting break between the segments. Because there's not necessarily segments. They could just cut. Yeah. And movies do that all the time. It goes to the next place. The tone changes. Things calm down. Yes. And that's fine. But this one took the title and put it into the movie which was pretty interesting and it actually was like sort of a more obvious mental rest yeah for okay now we're changing things are different take a moment here to just recollect my thoughts after i just saw this slew of insanity yeah and you know what's interesting it actually what each portion talked on in terms of the story yeah was actually relevant to that bit so part one everything it shows you everything and then part yeah. two everywhere it shows you everywhere the whole thing and then all at once yeah and it, that whole it, idea it's really it's interesting. tying everything that we just saw together yeah. into the final yeah, scene because it's like everything everywhere they're essentially building the story and going through it and then all at once is tying up you will wrestle with your psyche a little bit <laughs> it's again part of the idea of doing a multiverse film Mm-hmm. is that scenes interchange within the universes but still tell the same story mm-hmm. where you will switch to different versions of the same characters and it sounds like i'm telling a cloud atlas style story it's not that cloud atlas doesn't hold a candle for this mm. 
I, have you seen Cloud Atlas? Nope. The whole point of it is that it's just this film where two souls keep meeting each other throughout a timeline. Hmm. So you're going through different ages that, you know, all the way back to, I don't know, the 1700s or 1600s, and then it flips forward 200 years, and then forward 200 years, then mm-hmm. forward to when civilizations collapsed, then forward to beyond that collapse of civilization, and so on and so forth. And one of the characters by Tom Hanks, another character by Halle Berry, and they keep meeting mm-hmm. throughout all of this, right? Like reincarnations. This is not that. This is the story of one person and all of the universes that that one person exists in, which are virtually infinite. Mm-hmm. And you have all kinds of universes. Some of them are based off of very real turns her life could have taken, and some, you know, turns that seem very unrealistic, but mm-hmm. they're turns the human race could have taken. And how does your life turn out in that? Mm-hmm. How does your life turn out in a universe where you have a third arm, for instance? Mm-hmm. Not to spoil anything in the film. Again, main character played by Michelle Yeoh, and that does give them a little bit of a license and this is where the action comes in the action in this film is brilliant it uses the multiverse and the sci-fi concept and plays off of it oh my gosh it's amazing but at the same time you're getting these wonderful stunt choreography yeah the concept that they use to boost the action from zero to hero is not that hard to come to grips with you kind of get it no I think that's one thing where I don't understand how people don't understand because it's explained so simply and so directly and not just in like exposition but an actual demonstration you see how it works and they show you and you learn as yes. you go through but the thing is as she if, goes through if it. you let your thoughts slip for a moment say you miss this explanation yeah. and you come back to trying to watch this movie you will not yeah. it will be hard to get it's definitely not a pause this go do something else, come back, and hit play. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't expect any movie to be like that. No. And also, like, there are some pretty clear visual Mm -hmm. explanations. Yeah. The cast of characters altogether, like, the supporting actors and actresses are actually also up for Oscar nominations this year, Mm -hmm. including Michelle Yeoh, who's up for Best Actress as Mm -hmm. well. This is Epsilon Raff, reporting in from the Epsilon universe that not only did this film take home Best Picture, it also took home Best Supporting Actress with Jamie Lee Curtis, Best Supporting Actor with Kehoi Kwan, Best Original Screenplay, Film Editing, Daniel Scheinart and Daniel Kwan for Best Directors. Not to mention Michelle Yeoh as best actress in a leading role. They also do quite a few action roles themselves, and they do quite excellently. Mm-hmm. So that was one really cool thing to see in this movie is that the action is not limited to one or two characters, mm-hmm. right? The yeah, stunts are no, not limited to one or two people. Like they actually do an amazing job. It's really funny that the supporting actor also looks a little bit like Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah, which really works to his advantage. Oh, it's so good that yeah. one shot. In it, like in the initial fight scene, when he's just cooling down for a second, like we both thought, because you said that you're like he kind of looks like Jackie Chan, right? As I was thinking it, yeah, it was so right. funny. It's like the one shot when he's like dead on and he's in a certain pose, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know this isn't Jackie Chan, but in his own right, actually, incredible performance. Oh, seriously, no, he's amazing. One of the things that enhances the performances is that you're seeing these relatively dull characters come to life in a myriad of different representations that you're getting the full spectrum of emotion and possibility from all of them 
that's the most amazing part about this in terms of the actors themselves because it was okay here's your character now and you they you'd learn that character and whatnot and like okay here's your character and 17 other possibilities play them as though they lived that life and that life and that life that's from childhood up that's one of the beautiful things about the setting too Mm -hmm. is that quote-unquote it takes place inside of the irs yeah (laughs) which is the most boring place you could think of Mm -hmm. and it again zero to hero really quickly the whole place gets really wacky you technically don't leave the irs once you get into it and still you're completely overtaken by how incredible yeah that's the everything goes nuts inside of the irs yeah it's interesting how there's very few set pieces in this like and outside of these main ones of the irs and the laundromat yeah other than that it's like there's a there's a fair amount, but they're all shown for like split seconds at a time because it's there's a glimpse of that universe, there's a glimpse of that universe, and that's it. Like you, probably total, you see every other set piece for a minute in a two and a half hour film. It feels like it goes beyond what a globetrotter kind of movie would do. Yeah. And still you're in the IRS the whole time. <laughs> you, that's one of the things I tend to don't like about movies that do this kind of thing where they stay in one setting is I feel mm-hmm. like they get claustrophobic. See, that's one thing. I never felt that in this movie. Yeah, one a reason for that that I've just thought of, which is yet more technical stuff of why I thought this was a cinematic masterpiece, so to speak. You said that immediately afterwards? Yeah, because I was thinking it in the first act. But why, (laughs) what makes this a masterpiece? From the technical stuff, like that whole thing you just said of it takes place in essentially one area, but it doesn't feel claustrophobic. It's because of the way they colored it. Looking at it, from what I remember, because we watched it like a week ago, there were like three or four different IRSs even if they were in the same multiverse, which they weren't always. But it's like in the very opening sequence, she's in her IRS in the very, she doesn't know about the multiverse. And it's yellow. And then her alternate universe, alpha husband, pulls her into the closet and it's dark and blue. And even when the door opens, you get into the main area, it's still dark and blue. And that's where that fight scene takes place. And then boom, you're back in regular IRS land and it's yellow and bright. Did you notice any of that kind of color scheme change when they went to different multiverses the palettes were quite different yeah yeah Yeah. it was quite obvious you were in a different place like especially another one was um in her kung fu life when she's in the alleyway with her husband that's not her husband you have anything to add Hmm? the aspect ratio was cool (laughs) (laughs) that was one thing that happened in the movie quite frequently is that they brought the you know borders the movie in and out yeah i mean that was another tactical thing that made it different things so you knew what universe you were in at any given moment yeah it's like are we in the multiverse situation or are we in the single verse situation and what was interesting is they didn't like they had the taller screen for single verse and they had the wide screen for multiverse but the single verse wasn't just single verse tall screen wasn't just for the initial world we found when we're in kung fu world at the end and she's talking to her not husband in the alleyway it's single verse mode yeah yeah even though we didn't start there because it kind of shows you how like you're experiencing these universes like they're not yours yeah. so you're experiencing them theatrically in this widescreen mode yeah 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 it and they initially do it it's really good when it gets to the action bit yes. it's like we're get oh it's action mode and that's what you think but it's oh we're going into multiverse mode that's what's actually going on cuz yeah. sometimes that aspect ratio stays and then even further on aspect ratio, they have the going to her childhood 
it goes to a square aspect ratio because that's always associated with old things because old timey things were done in square aspect ratio one other thing i love about this movie uh visually while it's fantastic sound wise it's brilliant Mm. they do a play on this inception thing where basically what inception did was they took classical pieces of music that are played in the theme yes and they slow it down by tremendous increments which is why it goes because you're listening to a really slow cello yeah right you're listening to a really slow fare Hmm. um in this movie they don't exactly do that you feel a little bit the inception inspiration but you will feel (laughs) basically classical pieces of music mixed into the sci-fi themes yeah um there's one popular one that you hear actually in spider-man and you also hear it played at funerals (laughs) it's very Hmm. you know ethereal and somber but also very uplifting and spiritual there's also claire de lune is mm-hmm. probably the most used theme throughout it um the soundtrack one of the the song that was made for the movie and i love the title of it because it kind of tells you even with all the insaneness the title of the song is this is life <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of oscar nominations for this film and i think it deserves to win on a lot of honestly i don't care that much about the oscars but it should win everything. Um, it should it should go pretty far. <laughs> give this movie a try. Definitely. If you're willing to be a little bit adventurous, give it a try. Don't be off put like the geezers on the internet <laughs> who don't seem to understand the comical mm. relief of the absurdity. I would say just watch a whole movie. Don't watch part way. I've only ever left I will caveat that and say that if it's the killing of a sacred deer, (laughs) you're not getting any work cool. Yeah. The completion of this movie is awesome, but honestly, I feel like that was helped by the fact that every moment that we were watching it, we were appreciating it and enjoying it. Yeah. I don't know if that's true for everybody. I mean, yeah, if you hate every minute of it, then don't watch it. If (laughs) you feel like it's really scrambling your brain, it's okay. It's not for Mm. you. You don't have to get on Rotten Tomatoes and hate on it. (laughs) because otherwise i hope people make more movies like this yeah i don't even think they can make a sequel to this movie but if they could do it it made me want to watch foreign films specifically chinese slice of life (laughs) even (laughs) yeah honestly just the first little bit where we're just watching the slice of life scenes i could have watched the entire irs single verse movie it percent just been a movie about a Chinese family at a la- laundromat. And, and I would have watched it. There's such an endearing cast of characters. Yeah. The um, the old man. Yeah. I'll add his name in here, but that would be James Hong. He's the classic <laughs> Chinese old man who plays, like, he's in Sleeping Dogs, the video game. Yeah. He's in, like, so many kung fu movies and any movie <laughs> where, like, he's played, like, an old Chinese mobster. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, you'll hear his voice throughout animated television everywhere. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the whole cast of characters, incredibly powerful. Not to mention Jamie Lee Curtis again, who wows you with the breadth of how far you can go with a single character, and that's yeah. both a credit to the film, the direction, and the writing as it is to her. Mm-hmm. Truly, this film deserves a lot of praise. But as much as I sympathize with, and as, as much as I sympathize with somebody who doesn't get it, I'm also like, how did you miss this? <laughs> I really love this film. It's probably it's easily in my top ten favorites, if not the favorite. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Let me just take a quick pause here. Folks, sure. we're about to head into spoiler territory. <laughs> if you'd like to go watch the movie, go do that now. It's on Amazon. That's where we watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do intend to stick through these spoilers, I commend you. I promise you, you can still watch the movie after this and still enjoy every inch of it. If you are the type of person who is going to enjoy it, mm-hmm. which I hope most of my listeners are. There you go. You know, unless, unless you're AD, which is <laughs> and he's not going to watch it. You know, I actually heard there was a study done about people who watch a movie before and after spoilers. Yeah, or like with and without, and the people who watched it after a spoiler enjoyed it more. Interesting. Yeah. You know what's funny is that like when I've seen a trailer for a video game and the video game trailer shows me a level that's like I don't know ten levels deep into the game. Mm-hmm. It makes me more excited while I'm playing the game. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to reach something really cool. Mm-hmm. I think that same as tends to be true of movies. What is not great is when the movie tell when the trailer tells you the whole movie. Yeah. We just watched the trailer again before recording this podcast. Yeah. And we were like, oh, it tells you the whole movie. Yeah. But honestly, when I watched it a year ago, before this film had come out, before I got a chance to see it, mm-hmm. I had no clue what it was about. I was just enthralled with how awesome it looked. Yeah part like it blends a lot of my favorite things together Mm -hmm. which is like this rick and morty wacky science fiction this monty python-esque random level comedy (laughs) brilliant action and kung fu Mm -hmm. and then at the same time this beautiful philosophical conversation yeah that it has in it so evelyn kwan once she comes into the irs we actually get this really cool moment that it's like and this is i think the movie tends to do does this a little bit where it kind of touches on Matrix territory a little bit. Yeah. You get the slight feeling. Mm-hmm. It definitely has that red pill, blue pill moment. Mm. But well, that's what's the, hilarious the call to adventure. is that it does both at the same time. Because we always joke, like, what happens oh, if yeah. you take both pills at once? This movie shows you. <laughs> this movie yeah. shows you. And it's really, really cool the way that it gets handled. Mm-hmm. You told talked about it last time when we watched it. The Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. This movie does take you on a literal hero's journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's like thinking about it, it's the exa- it's it is exactly the hero's journey. Yeah. But it's done in such, I don't know, an amazing but also basic way when you think about it. <laughs> there is a chosen one element to it. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of chosen ones. Mm. I like the idea that any random anybody could be the main character. Yeah. And could be the hero. Well, actually, I think that's where this movie's a little bit different because instead of being the chosen one she happens to be the one for the job and the reason for that as he explains is that you are the most incompetent version of yourself i've ever met <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like... word, but that's the explain that's what he explains everything you've ever done you've either given up on or failed <laughs> which is when we talk about multiverses and your life taking a direction it's yeah. that yeah, right? I would say that that's un- incorrect in one area in that she chose to do something in coming to America to open a laundromat. Mm-hmm. And it's correct to say that she didn't necessarily succeed. They're getting audited. It's not yeah. going great. But I mean, that's where I thought I thought the same thing. He's yeah. like, you've always failed and you always give up. I'm like, yeah, but she runs a business. <laughs> I love that this movie tells multiple stories at once. One mm-hmm. of the reviews I read about it was somebody going, it's a tribute to every migrant mother. Mm. I was, yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. To somebody coming over to America to open a business and persevere through it while also trying to get that. with the cultural norms of the situation mm-hmm. um, 
oh spoiler uh her daughter's gay <laughs> yeah which is one of the things that like you know if you come from a traditional culture you're not used to it you're not yeah, sure how that to was her daughter was one of the aspects i really liked about the film because i know quite a few people that are uh second generation immigrants yeah so it's like their parents moved here and they were born here or at least they moved I mean, I'm here technically one of those people there you go yeah or it's like were you <laughs> born here or did you move here when you were like two or three i was i was born here yeah yeah so it's like, yeah, either born here. I know people that moved here when they were like five. So they may as well have grown, grown up here. It's the thing that I love about this movie is that it does diversity so well. Mm-hmm. People should watch this and take notes. Divor- diversity. It's not a thing that you cram diversity. down. Divorce. <laughs> also that. <laughs> it's not a thing that you're supposed to just funnel into the movie that you're just supposed to make a casting choice because, mm-hmm. right? You have to do it with intention. And not just that, it also needs to be with that intention is what makes it natural yeah and that's one of the things about this movie is that like when you're watching this family persevere through this adventure it's so natural mm-hmm. to like see them and sympathize with them you don't feel like some some executive decided they were there yeah and now you have to like them yeah which is a feeling that you get from like the new star wars films mm. sometimes right it it's hard you feel like you're second guessing these characters <laughs> like, every the time Admir- admiral gender studies oh my god <laughs> <laughs> the last jedi <laughs> not a great that's the, exactly what i'm talking about yeah is that you feel like somebody decided in a boardroom to put this here yeah and you're a bigot if you don't like <laughs> which is not necessarily true mm. because you want to walk into this movie with that sense of optimism like yeah wow, they really intended something here and it's like i intended something here. yeah like the the reboot of Ghostbusters with the all-female cast. Everything all at once, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Feels natural. Yeah. Right? It does. It's incredible. Yeah. They do a beautiful job with the diversity. There's in this nothing movie. <laughs> it's odd to say there's nothing unrealistic about this film. <laughs> it, isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Is that it's such an out there Rick and Morty-esque kind of yeah. romp through a sci-fi series. But it's so it feels good. Yet at the same time what the people are dealing with is realistic and yes. is something you would encounter. I find that really interesting about the main character, Evelyn, mm. is that she's the last kind of person that you would expect to be the video game hero. Oh, so good, dude. Of this, and which I feel like is a great place for an audience member who doesn't understand yeah. to be at. I think she's just extremely relatable as a character. Yes. Especially <laughs> in early on in the film, in that initial fight, her alpha husband explains... You can either lay here and and do nothing, or you can get up, you can make decisions, and you can save the universes. And she's like, I'm going to lay here. <laughs> like, I'm not taking part in this. Yeah. That's all the hero's journey is yeah. refusing the call. Because all this crazy crap is happening around her, Yeah, and she's still in IRS land. Yes. And like her biggest problem at that point is that she's going to get arrested for assault. <laughs> yeah which you know if you were just in the one universe yeah might make sense to you yeah you're just seeing all these people lose their minds mm-hmm. which is something that you know we can also kind of sympathize with <laughs> but then as soon as we get a taste we're like forget about all that other stuff that's happening it's like this movie feels like a bit of a psychedelic trip yeah in that sense it which also in many ways emulates a hero's journey mm. in that you're exposed to a reality and a conflict that you didn't know what was happening before, and now that it's happening, it's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And nothing from your previous life matters anymore. Mm-hmm. It's funny that I use that phrase, because that's also like 
a big part of the theme of this film. That nothing matters. When we talk about the theme, when we talk about the metaphysical conversation, the philosophical underlying point to all of this is mm-hmm. it is a grapple with nihilism. Nihilism, uh, as popularized by Friedrich Nietzsche, as known by the phrase God is dead, really supposes that there is no innate meaning or purpose to mm-hmm. the things in the universe, that th- what happens around us is randomness going into entropy. Yeah, and you know, that's actually even said near the end of the movie. Very much so. Yeah, it's like her daughter straight up says, it's just a random possibility. Yes, yeah. Uh, one of the spoilers again, her daughter Joy is what is... spoiler territory. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Joju Tobaki, yeah. the villain of this film, is her daughter Joy. I love that they just immediately discard that. We're like, we're going to go with this really weirdly named villain. <laughs> and then we're immediately just going to let it go. No, it was great. I, I They didn't was, let it go. What do you mean? They kind of did. It's like once you knew it was Joy, you weren't like, that's Joju Tabaki. No, it's Joy. I don't know. I think they actually did a pretty good job of separating them, especially because with Joju Tabaki, it was all powerful, doesn't care. Why is she yes. even here? What's going on? So, But then it switches to Joy, and she's clearly Joy. She's there. She's talking with the parents. She's yeah. laughing at what her mom's doing, and it's... But Joju Tabaki is different the entire time. She's in control. She knows what's going on. She decides what's happening. So let's tap into this a little bit. So when we say Alpha, Mm -hmm. basically there's people in the original universe. We're called the Alpha universe. And they figured out a way to merge their consciousness with that of themselves in the other universes. Mm -hmm. So that they can tap into those memories, right? So they can experience that life in that different universe. Yeah, that's the one part I would say is not fully explained. Because not only can they gain, like, go through that life, tap into that, and gain those abilities. But they can also jump two different universes through their body. Basically to live that life in their body. That's where I kind of go, it's like the Matrix. Yeah. You're just living in the Matrix, but yeah. the Matrix is a it's not a Matrix, it's not a fake simulated world. Mm-hmm. It's a real world in yeah. another universe. It's you. Yes. Which is I I don't know. If well, you die in real life, you die for real. Well, that person dies. <laughs> that you in that universe dies. Yeah. And what's hilarious is that at one point they kind of explained to us it's like, well, we can create offshoot universes to use for yeah. a moment, right? That's one of the things that he does very early on. That's the red yes. pill moment is come to the closet. Yeah. That's, we created a little offshoot universe where there's a probability where you went to the closet and now we're going to meet there to have this conversation while merging the memory of this conversation with yourself in the universe Mm -hmm. you're acting in, which Mm -hmm. is a really cool idea now that I'm actually explaining it to myself now. (laughs) So Evelyn, one of her versions of herself is a scientist who figures this all out Mm -hmm. and lays out for it, but in doing so also happens to push her daughter into it and her daughter's psyche breaks instead Mm -hmm. of her dying from some kind of neurological overload her daughter becomes aware of her existence in all the universes simultaneously essentially experiencing everything everywhere all at once and when that happens to you is what the movie drives at is when you see the total randomness it also seems to indicate a meaninglessness Mm. because when you're Taking in everything, E-E-A-O, uh, <laughs> all at once. Um, when you're taking it all in, you don't feel tied the same way that you are in your own life. Mm-hmm. But because you lose that tie, that 
idea, that point of value that can lend everything else value, it seems to you like everything doesn't seem to have any value and mm-hmm. you embrace nihilism. So in her own words, she puts everything on a bagel and when you can see everything all at once, mm-hmm. you just kind of realize how meaningless it all is and that none of it actually matters. Right, which mm-hmm. is the nihilistic sense that she's grappling with. So her whole deal is I'm going to basically open the black hole of the world, the ultimate nihilism, to swallow this whole multiverse and take it all in because maybe when there is truly nothing, then we will at least have a sense of peace mm-hmm. because I want to shut my consciousness off in this world that doesn't appear to matter. Yeah, It feels horrible, it feels random, and everything is just stuck in an entropy that we're constantly losing. Mm-hmm. And then the antidote in this is, so it's funny because in philosophy, we tend to look at Albert Camus as the reply to Frederick Nietzsche. And to some degree, he's right. Albert Camus goes at it and he says, well, in the myth of Sisyphus, Sisyphus is always pushing this rock up this hill in order to escape Hades and live forever. But then Mm -hmm. the rock always rolls back down the hill and he has to start it over. Hence the meaninglessness of what Sisyphus is doing. So Albert Camus goes, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. And the idea behind that is that instead of looking at nihilism in this depressing manner, and to be honest, nihilism itself isn't supposed to be depressing. Frederick Nietzsche's whole thing was, if God is dead, if there is no meaning, it's up to us to make the meaning. Mm. Camus' take on it was, meaninglessness is hilarious. (laughs) The randomness is funny. And that's something that comes through in the comedy of this film. Mm -hmm. The insane randomness of the entirety of the multiverse is hilarious. That's what introduces such a dramatic aspect because everything you could possibly imagine and more is true Mm -hmm. in in this multiverse. That's part of the philosophical conversation is that you need absurdism to escape the depression of nihilism. Yeah. Because once you have that absurdism, now what absurdism does is because it lifts that back to an optimism of things can be funny. Well, the thing about things being funny is because it's rooted in meaning. Mm -hmm. So you're finding your Hmm. way back to meaning, right? Um, I'm tying a lot of things together that philosophically, like I'm sure some academics going to be like, well, he never said that. (laughs) But in a wider understanding of things, like you got to also throw in a little bit of Zen here. Hmm. A lot of times throughout the movie, I was just talking to you about this. A lot of times throughout the movie, you'll see the black circle, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to indicate the bagel. The, the black hole, the mm-hmm. everything on a bagel, the end of all things the, that Joju Tobaki puts together to end the world. The thing about that black circle is it's also reminiscent of the symbol in Zen of void, mm-hmm. of nothing. But that symbol in Zen is a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of the oneness of existence, mm-hmm. um, of the potential of it all, of the simplicity of considering everything but at the same time, it's complexity. Mm-hmm. The circle is never-ending and thereby infinite. The circle has void and thereby potential. But at the same time, it's not nothing itself. It is a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a very Zen concept. It sounds very esoteric. But if you look at it, it can invite one of two things. It can invite this, the feeling of nothingness and darkness, of entropic decay and randomness and meaninglessness. Or it can invite peace in the sense that, wow, look at everything everywhere all at once and how it's all happening in a seeming harmony Mm -hmm. the answer in this movie the antidote to nihilism you brought it up before when we're talking about love Mm -hmm. 
How does that happen? Basically, the idea being that because nothing matters, yeah, what's most important is the people around you. Yes, the people you love. Because as much thinking about it, what's actually the only consistent thing in any given universe is the people. Yes, it's like there's a bunch of random things going on, but it's always Joy. It's always Evelyn. It's always shoot. What's her husband's name? Michael? No. Waymond. Waymond. Yeah. Is it Waymond? I thought it was yeah. Raymond. Waymond Wang. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's like that's the whole thing. It's always these people yeah. that are consistent, and those are the people. And it shows. It, there's that whole montage at the end where in the different multiverses, Evelyn's going after Joy. Yeah, that's and, a very good illustration yeah. of it. One line, small tangent, but sort of the same thing, is uh, a line that Evelyn says twice in the movie is, give me back my joy. My and she's joy. talking about her daughter. Yeah. But it's like the phrase, give me back my joy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's hilarious that that is, I mean, it's very on point mm-hmm. and very probably purposeful that her name is Joy. Yeah. An interesting part of that is it's my joy. I remember when I was explaining who Joju Tubaki is and mm-hmm. the feeling of when you're considering everything and aware of everything at the same time, you lose your tie to the universe. Well, your tie to the universe is the things you care about, the things you value, the things mm-hmm. you love. At one point in the conversation, Joju Tubaki, well, I guess Joy, is reasoning with her mother mm-hmm. and going, it feels there's moments that make sense and then nothing else seems to make sense. Yeah. Well, the point to that is that those moments that you make sense, those moments where everything makes sense are what you're supposed to use to make sense of everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, I really care about spending time with my family. So everything I work for outside of that that may seem meaningless is contributing to the well-being of my family and my ability to do that in a way that matters. Mm -hmm. The thing that lends everything else value is my family, right? Mm -hmm. This is a very simple way to chart this out. Yeah. The same thing is true of like if you are lost in the sea and there are no points on the horizon with which to navigate, you just have to find one thing that seems fixed, mm-hmm. right? You find one star in the sky and at least every time you can see that star, you know that direction mm-hmm. and now you can work out which direction you're going and then get somewhere, right? The same thing is true of living your life and either being completely unlimited in your sensory perception and your ability to experience infinite lifetimes versus your ability to experience just one mm-hmm. there's a there's a line in community that tv show by dan Harmon, um where i won't explain the whole plot of that episode but basically it's pierce saying it, and this is back when they were going to try to make pierce the wise old man <laughs> where he sits down with jeff and jeff is asking why did you get rid of your hearing aid that thing that was allowing you to hear across mm, the room yeah pierce just goes you know why we have ears and eyes and arms that only reach this far because the people in this area are the ones we care about mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be conscious of everything in the universe because you don't, you're not supposed to care about everything in the universe. <laughs> it sounds like a kind of odd thing to say, but look in your own life. What are the things you care about in your own life? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should lend your attention here, right? That's the that's the Jordan Peterson thing, right? Clean the room <laughs> because it's your room, right? Mm-hmm. In a sense, more tied to this movie is your mind is so open to the infinite possibilities of what your life could have been. And all these crazy evolutions that the world could have taken 
the possibilities that could have existed. Whether it's Rakakuni, or Sausage Fingers, or a world where everything is anime, or a world where you are a rock. You're not really designed to exist in all of those places at once. Mm -hmm. You can only really truly appreciate being where you are right now. Because only you can be you. Oh, does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I just broke down this whole movie. <laughs> the cinematography was great. <laughs> and it was. Um, like I said, everything in this movie, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed everything. I enjoyed it everywhere. All at once. Also on the Oscars list is uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, mm. which is a movie that Chance and I watched when it came out on Netflix. It's a German adaptation. Well, it's a uh, a f an adaptation <laughs> of a German novel about the German perspective of mm. the First World War. I highly recommend it. Uh, Chance and I spoke about it in our podcast, Party on the Western Front, mm. which released last Remembrance Day here in Canada, so November-ish. Something like 11th. that. Also nominated for a couple things is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, mm. which we spoke about AD and I. Quite enjoyed that film. I'm surprised mm. he didn't enjoy this one again. It's like... Yeah. Blows my mind, but I also kind of understand it. It does seem like something that is a little bit out of its depth. If a couple things off put him, he'll be less inclined <laughs> to put his attention to it. And if he doesn't do that, his ADD will take over and he won't understand it. <laughs> ADAD. Uh, ADHD? ADAD. His AD, AD has ADAD. AD. He has double himself. <laughs> also, up is uh, I, I've been meaning to watch Banshees of Inishirin. I'm not sure if I will. Hmm. Because it sounds like it's going to be a drama, which drama I could take or leave. Comedy I always love. Um, again, Everything Everywhere All at Once does both at the same time and is both emotional. And I feel like a, my heart really goes out to this movie. Mm -hmm. And it makes me laugh at the same time, which I that's, if there was a recipe for me to fall in love with something, it's that. Yeah. So I don't really care what happens at the Oscars. I just know I think this is my favorite movie of 2022. Yeah. And I'm surprised I didn't watch it until 2023. Right. I but wish I'm, I'd seen this in theaters. And we hope to look into a lot more of everything everywhere all at once. And I mean the phenomenon of existence, not just the movie. Maybe at, maybe one at a time. Here at the Forest Creek. Yeah. Well, you know, definitely not all at once. <laughs> I wonder if that would turn you into Joju Tabaki if you took every episode of the Forest Creek and played them at the same time. Maybe. No guarantees. Try it out. Let us know. <laughs> at the forest creek on instagram spotify other social media platforms and many many rss syndications any, anywhere you can find your podcast really. we're on youtube.com slash at the real forest creek you can get in touch with us at the forest creek at gmail.com our website is coming very soon www.theforestcreekweb.com where you, where you can find out about uh the services that we offer for a Forest Creek Media Productions. That's right, we can make your dream come true. If you want some snazzy pieces to market your service, your product, your business, your brand, reach out to us through our website or at theforestcreek.gmail.com. Like, share, follow, subscribe, do all those things. They really help. We really care. We take notice. Nobody else does. <laughs> I'm Raf. I'm Jared. From the Alpha Universe. See you next time. Bye.